Hey everyone, and welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to AI. I am so excited for you to join me on this episode where we are going to do a deep dive on Midjourney. Midjourney V5 just launched, so it felt like the perfect time for me to jump in with my guest Linus Eckenstam and learn how to be a prompting pro. Linus is a designer turned AI influencer. Not only does he have an AI newsletter called Inside My Mind, but he's also created a really cool website where you can generate bedtime stories for your kids, complete with illustrations. And he is a mid-journey prompting pro. I am constantly amazed by the photos and images that Linus has created using Midjourney. It totally blows my mind. From rally cars with retro vibes to bonsai trees that have candy growing on them. And most recently, hyper-realistic photographs of interior design that look like they came straight out of a magazine. Linus is someone I cannot wait to learn from. And he's also going to share his perspective on what all this generative AI means for the design industry, which he has been a part of for over a decade. By the way, it's worth noting that a lot of the stuff we cover in this episode is very visual. So if you're listening to this as an audio only podcast, you may want to click on the YouTube link in the show notes and jump straight to the video when you have time. So if you're excited about Midjourney V5 and want to learn how you can take the ideas in your head and turn them into awesome images, then join me for this episode of The Hitchhiker's Guide to AI. Thank you so much for joining me on The Hitchhiker's Guide to AI. Really glad to have you on the podcast. I feel like I'm going to learn so much in this episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. I mean, I'm not sure about the prompt, you know, prompt guru, but let's try well, I mean, you tweet about your prompts every day, I think, on yeah. Twitter, and they seem to be getting better every time. So you're my source of truth when it comes to becoming a great prompter. And I also, by the way, love the one thing you do when you tweet your mid-journey kind of pictures that you've built, um, that you've created, that you always add in the alt text on Twitter um, exactly what the prompt was. And I found that really helpful because when I'm trying to work out how to use mid-journey, I look at a lot of your alt text. So um I will also include a link to your Twitter handle so everyone can nice. can check it out. But I guess I'll start with, you know, you've been in the tech industry for a while as both a designer and a founder as well for over yeah. a decade. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear your story and what made you um, kind of get excited about AI and starting an AI newsletter and then, you know, sharing everything you've been learning as you, as you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, if we rewind a bit and, and we start from the beginning, um, I got into the tech industry a little bit on a banana, like a banana's kid. I, I started working in like the agency world when I was 17. So I'm 36 now, so 19 years ago. Time flies. Um, and after like working with um, customers, clients, and big ones as well through like through my initial years there, I kind of got fed up with it. And I went into my first SaaS business as an employee and it was email, like way, 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 way before this day and age, right? Where you had to like code everything using tables and in transparent GIFs. It was just a different world. And 2012 was like when I started my first own business. And that was like my first foray into like the, the startup world or like building something that was used by people outside of the vicinity of, of, of Sweden or Nordics. Um, it was very interesting times. Um, and I, I've always been kind of like early when it comes to new tech. I, like, I consider myself being a super early adopter. I got Facebook as like one of the first people in Sweden by hacking or like social hacking a friend's edu email address. And I got an MIT email address just so I could sign up mm -hmm. on Facebook. 
Um, so now that we're here, it's like I've been touching all of these steps, like all the early tech every single time, but I never really capitalized on it or I, I never really mm -hmm. pushed myself into a position where I would contribute. But this time around, I just, you know, I felt like I had a bit more under my belt. I've seen these cycles come and go. Uh, and I just get really excited about like, oh, shit, like this is the first time ever that I might get automated out by a machine. So my response or flight and fight response to this was just like learn as much as possible, as quickly as possible and share as much of my learnings as possible to help others kind of not end up in, in the same position where they fear for their lives. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting you talk about that because I think that's a huge motivator for me as well. It's just help people understand that this AI technology is coming and it's not like it's going to replace everyone's job, but it certainly is going to change the way we work and make the way we work very different. And as you've been doing and sharing, you know, how to prompt and what it means to use AI, one of the things I've noticed is you've also received a little bit of backlash, you know, from other designers in the space that maybe aren't as embracing of AI as you have. And I, I know recently there were probably two or three different startups that announced text to UX products where you basically type in the kind of uh, user experience you want and it generates mockups, right? Which I thought was amazing. And I thought, you know, that would take years to get to, but we've got that yeah. now. And yeah. you posted about it recently. And I think one of the things you said was designers need to have less damn ego and lose the God complex. Tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that and what the feedback has been like in the AI space around kind of how it's impacting design, especially your field. I think um, there, there is this like weird thing going on where um, there are a lot of nice tooling coming out and engineers and, and, and developers, you kind of embrace it. They just like have a really open mindset and go, yeah, if this can help me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use it. Like take it up. Copilot is a good example. People are just raving about it. And, and there is some people that are like, oh, it's, it's not good enough yet or whatever. But like the, the general consensus is that this is a great tool. It's saving me a lot of time and I can focus on like more heavy lifting or thinking about deeper problems. But then entered the designer, just like turtleneck, you know, black, all dressed in black. I mean, I'm, mm. I, I'm one of those, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of myself as well. I'm not just pointing fingers at others here. I just think it's like weird that, you know, here's a tool that comes along and it's a tool. It won't replace you. Like I'm being slightly sarcastic and using like marketing hooks to get people really drawn in, in my content on Twitter. So I'm not really meaning, it's not literal. I'm not saying, hey, you're going to be out of a job. It's more like you better embrace this because like the change is happening and the longer you stay on the sidelines, the, the, the more of a, a, a leap that your peers will have that are starting to embrace this technology. And it, it's so weird to see like people being so anti. It's like, it's just a tool. It's, it, it's, not, it's not like the tool itself is dangerous. It's like mm -hmm. people with the tool will become dangerous and they will threaten your position, right? So... I just find it very interesting to this whole kind of landscape where people on one hand is just embracing it and people on the other hand are just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to touch it because it can't do X or it can't do Y. It's like, bear with you. It's like, we're in the very, very early days of AI. Like we might be seeing half a percent or 1% of what's possible. And these tools are here today, like you said. Um, so I think my kind of like vantage point is like, I'm not looking at the next six months or the next 12 months. I'm just like, drawing out an arc and go like, where are we 2030? My whole game here is to get as many people as possible, well-versed into these tools as fast as possible. Like I wanna make sure that the divide between the people that have got experience and the people that haven't yet played with these tools, kind of make sure that divide doesn't grow too big. I think that's my mission really.
Yeah, the thing you pointed out there about how, you know, these advancements are happening really quickly and you want people to be able to adopt the tools is, I think, a really important one. And I think a lot of people don't really understand conceptually how exponential advancements kind of work. And I think Sam Altman recently had this good quote where he said something along the lines of, when you're standing on an exponential curve, it's flat behind you, but it's like vertical in front of you, right? And we're like climbing up this exponential curve. And I think some of us probably see the writing on the wall of how quickly this is all going to happen. But for other people, you know, there's always going to be this resistance. You mentioned like how this tool is going to help people and people should embrace it. And you, of course, share a lot of what you're learning. And especially when it comes to prompting and you and the art of kind of prompting in mid-journey to create interesting images. And I think you've done some prompting on ChatGPT as well. Yeah. One thing I'm curious about is, do you think that's the future of the like, <sighs> knowledge work for us? Is it going to be like we all just become really good prompt engineers and we're just prompting away when it comes to like writing you know, writing documents or when it comes to creating design UX or when it comes to, you know, making images or, or do you think there's more to it than that? I think prompting the way that it's done now is going to be very short-lived. Um, if we're doing an analogy and compare like prompting with AI with what we're people that are doing really root level programming, let's say assembly type code for computers. Um, so we're in the age now where everything is new. Uh, and the way to interact with these models, whether it's, you know, ChatGPT or MidJourney or Dolly or Stable Diffusion, it's a very, very root level. Uh, I think I'm already starting to see like products popping up that are precursors or like tools that put, put themselves like a layer on top. So instead of writing like a 200 keyword um, prompt to MidJourney, you're essentially writing like five words or 10 words. It's very descriptive of what you want. And then the precursor takes care of like, generating the necessary keywords for you. I don't think we'll see these like prompt hacks where people figure out, me included, figuring out like ways to, you know, if you do this in this sequence or this order, you will able to do this with a, with a, you know, with a model, right? Um, I think we'll see less of that potentially um, and, and move more towards like really natural language and, and less kind of like prompt engineering around it. But I think very um important here to note is that the kind of like precursors will happen like we will kind of move away from talking assembly line situation with ai models and that's also like that's a barrier to entry right now if you look at mid-journey you want to get started a lot of the things you need to just overcome is kind of how do you write what you want to get because like if you just write i want this image that does x y and z you're probably not going to get the thing that you have in your mind so it's going to be like you trying out different things and then getting to like slowly speak AI. Don't focus too much on becoming like a, a, a super good prompter, right? Try to, to learn more like principles or techniques or, or, or like think more um, holistically about this whole thing. How do you interact with AI? I think that's uh, yeah something I would recommend. I liked your analogy of, you know, assembly language and how we're all kind of writing assembly code right now. Um, another analogy I've also heard is like, it's it's like DOS before Windows came. And we're all kind of at the command line trying to get what we want by typing it into a computer before someone, you know, made like a user interface around it. You know, very famously, you know, Xerox Park did it. And then Apple was the one who kind of released a version of it. And I, I think that's going to be something we'll all welcome. But in the meantime, I'm curious, how did you kind of learn that steep learning curve of becoming really great at prompting because we all kind of start from zero here. And I yeah. think the example you gave where you said like, you know, you think you can just come in and describe what you want. That's exactly how I started. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to describe the scene. And then it didn't, 
end up anything like what I wanted. So like, what was your journey of kind of becoming good at prompting and, and learning how to use Midjourney effectively? I think the, the community is really well set up uh, with Midjourney that you can, you can go on to midjourney.com and you can start kind of exploring w- mm-hmm. what everyone else is doing. Um, initially, I didn't really understand that, that they actually had a website. Um, but, but then after a few, I guess a few months, then I'm like, oh, there's actually a website here. And maybe it wasn't there in the beginning either. So it might be that I just missed it completely. Um, so I think like dissecting other people's work and trying to figure out like, oh, this was a nice cinematic shot. How did I get that look? Um, and, and mind you, like I've been doing this now for a few months or almost half a year. Um, and it, it was really different. There was less people using the tool like six months ago than there is now. So I think it's easier to jump into the tool now and, and see what others are doing and kind of learning by do like learning by dissecting. Essentially. I think it's the same with design. Like if you're learning design today, like the best way is just to try to replicate as much work from everyone else as possible. And I'm not saying replicate in the sense of like, Oh, that's a nice prompt command C command V. Oh, now I did it. Um, that's okay. That's, that's not learning to prompt all by it. It's very easy. If you, if you find something you like, you want to make your own derivative of it go ahead. I mean, that's the beauty of these tools as well. But if you really want to like learn the skill or like, you know, I have this idea I want to do, then I can go do this. But then I must say there's also some really talented people uh, on Twitter and elsewhere that are sharing their journeys as well. And, you know, figuring out ways to, to structure their prompts or yeah, there, there's a bunch of people that we could potentially look at later or, or that we could recommend in the show notes. Um, for sure. Yeah, that would be that would be great. And I think for people that aren't familiar, the way Midjourney works is you you have the website where you kind of explore existing images, but all of the work of creating images is done through their Discord, which is pretty unintuitive to anyone that's not familiar with online communities and with Discord. Which Discord itself is a fairly new phenomenon from the last like three or four years, right? It was originally used in gaming, but now it's used a lot in communities across AI, across crypto, and other and other places. And so that was another thing that got that took a while to get used to is like interacting with AI via Discord. But there's one cool advantage of it that I didn't really fully grasp until now, which is that I can pick up my phone and jump in the Discord anytime when I have an idea for an image and just start making images. One of the things I'm curious about, you've been doing this for about six months. Ballpark, how many images have you created? I think I just passed like the 10K club. I'm not sure. I'm going to look later. I mean, one thing I would love to do in this episode um, is learn from you some of the skills of like, you know, being a pro prompter in, in uh, mid-journey. So I was wondering if we could kind of jump into it and maybe one, take a look at some of the creations you've done in the past, walk us through a little bit um, how you how you came up with them. And then I have a few ideas of things I want to do in mid-journey. Maybe you can help me um, make that happen. Let's jump into it. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to jump into mid-journey now and Linus is going to show us some of the images he's created Give us a bit of a sense of kind of his approach to prompting, and then we're going to jump in and do a few examples too. So one area, for example, that I would love to learn more about is consistent characters in Midjourney. After we did the podcast uh, with Amar, where we built the, uh, where we created the um, children's book, a lot of people asked, oh, how do you get consistent characters across all the pages of the children's book in the illustrations? So I'm really curious about how you achieve that, because that's something I've struggled with as well. This is interesting. So um, it, it started with a lot of people trying to achieve the same thing using Midjourney, which is essentially 
you know, you have a character, you want the character to be in different poses or in different photos or in different, you know, could be a cartoon, it could be a real person. Uh, and I saw different ways of doing it. And mainly they were for cartoons. And then I'm like, this doesn't not work well with a human. Uh, cause I mm -hmm. tried and it didn't work. So I'm like, there must be some other way to do this. Uh, and obviously this is like brute forcing a password really. Cause like mid journey is not supposed to be this tool. Uh, if, the best way to do consistent characters is to use stable diffusion or something else that you can pre-train on a set of images. The, the way that I went about doing it is essentially, uh, going to how illustrators work and when, when they create like a character for, for a movie or for an animated, whatever it might be that they're doing, they need reference material so that other artists can work on the same characters. Mm -hmm. You might have hundreds of artists working on the same character. Um, so then, you know, looking at how they are doing these, I'm like, maybe if I simplify this, what if, you know, I take left and right and up and down and forward, and I use those images as inspiration. Cause that's something you can do in mid journey. You can like image mm -hmm. prompt essentially just like putting an array of images and then adding your prompt. So I, I went about like starting up making a character, um, just using like a very simple prompt here. I didn't really mm -hmm. have any intent of, of, of the output. I just like, let's mid journey do its thing. Um, and then when I, I, I found one that I kind of like, oh, this could be nice. Let's work with this. Um, I started using something called a seed and, and use that image. So a seed is essentially the noise number or the random noise that an image gets started from. So if mm -hmm. for every, anyone that doesn't know, you know, mid journey is a, a diffusion model, which essentially starts from noise and it takes a string of text and it uses that text to take the noise and transform it into an end result. So if you want to know the pattern, the exact pattern of the noise that you're starting from, you can include a seed number and it's like randomly generated every time you do an image. So if you have an image and you use the seed and you prompt against that seed again, uh, the likelihood of getting something very similar is quite high. So I, I kind of went away and, and started doing different angles of this woman. And then once I had more angles, um, I put the angles together. So now I'm just scrolling through here, but essentially just finding mm -hmm. those up, down, left, right, and forward. And when I was happy with all of them, I just put them together in a long prompt. Um, and then just having the same prompt again as the first time. You know, uh, a style, of, uh, uh, a portrait shot of a woman, um, street photo of a woman shot on Kodak, which is essentially just like the, the type of film I wanted to emulate. Mm -hmm. And then I get the exact woman out and oh, this is like, you know, okay, now here we go. Uh, yeah. what can we do with this? Right. Uh, and there is a bunch of things like a, a bunch of learnings, um, from this, which is essentially like you can create very specific images if you have a bunch of, of images that you're using as the inspiration images. Mm -hmm. But also when you do these technique, my kind of the, the culprit here is that I use street style photos. So every time I'm trying to get her to do other things, like we can go over here. Uh, I, I wanted to try to get her in a, in a spacesuit, right? Mm -hmm. We can see that she's kind of in a spacesuit, uh, but she's still standing on a street. So yeah, it's like a very, <laughs> it's like an urban chic spacesuit. Actually. Yes, <laughs> it's an urban chic spacesuit, and we can even see here, like try some different um, AR, like some mm -hmm. different aspect ratios. She's in a spacesuit, but we still have the background of, of yep. the street, right? So one way to combat this and that, you know, figure this out after the fact that I made this tutorial is like the, the, the source material, the source images that you're using, they should be isolated. They should be like either against yep. a transparent background or a white background. And that way 
all of a sudden you can start placing this woman in different areas. So what's neat about this is that you don't need to train a model. You only need to have a set of images. So let's say you have six or nine images that are your inspiration images. And they don't have to be AI generated either. You could use like yourself. You can take photos of you from the different angles and put them together. Um, and I think a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people because this is one of these things that are inherently hard to do in mid-journey. And there's yeah. quite a big use case for it. So I, I, I personally hope that, you know, mid-journey goes into the direction of kind of a little bit more like Stable Diffusion or Leonardo, where they're giving you tools to do these kind of things, like fine tuning, but not maybe to the extent of like training your entire, your, your own model completely, right? And we can look at this example. I think this is very nice as well. Like we can get her smiling because that was one of the things that, mm -hmm. you know, people say, oh, you used all these photos where she's not smiling. You're never going to get her to smile. Uh, and basically you can, like there's a lot of like things you can do, even though Midjourney is very, um, has very opinionated. So there are ways to work around this. And if we're like diving a little bit into prompting here, um, we can just, let's, let's grab this full command here. Um, yeah. So to recap, um, what, yeah, you, sorry. Up, what, you, what <laughs> yeah. you did was you basically reverse engineered how, you know, a character animator would approach this idea of consistent characters. And the way they do it is they have different poses of a character that they kind of create first. So you kind of have a base kind of almost like a sculpture that hasn't been fully molded yet. So to get an understanding of the character, you generated those using AI, but you could also have a you know, photos you already have of a person, or maybe you take photos of yourself at different angles, then you mm. inputted that as actually with the prompt, you inputted the images too. And that was what allowed you to kind of then create these consistent characters, because you now have this base image to work from. And then one of the things you said was, if you want to be able to change the background, so move them from like street photos, for example, to be in space, you kind of need to remove the background from the original base images, because that's that background, if you keep it in there, like the street photos has a street background, is going to influence what mid-journey creates as well. Yeah, correct. Um, Very cool. Let's <laughs> I just pushed this in here. Let's see if mid-journey does something with it. Sometimes when you're using a lot of high-resolution um, inspiration images, it actually crashes the, the box, so it doesn't work. Oh, we're actually getting something. That's good. So uh, it's not entirely sure we're going to get a smiling woman this time, but the way to kind of like force smiling, for example, is give smiling a very high weight. So when you're using, um, let's see if I, can, if I can scroll in here. Yeah. So when you're adding, uh, is it colon? Yeah. Is it colon, semicolon? Um, colon. Yeah. Colon, yeah. Colon, colon five, for example, then you give smiling, the word smiling, uh, a weight of five. Uh, I think standard weight is like zero or one. I think one. Um, so we're really emphasizing here that we want her mm. to be smiling. And now I think we actually got something. And it might not be that she's smiling in all of them. But she's uh, kind of smiling. A little <laughs> bit. She's got like a little bit of a... Yeah. <laughs> a bit of a forced smile. A bit uh, of a but... guarded smile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is the thing. I mean, Midjourney is opinionated. And you, you might have to do re-rolls. You might have to do things like over and over and it, because it's not really trained on her smiling or being neutral it's actually trained on her being quite angry or and what is a reroll by the way uh so reroll is like essentially press a button here in 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 discord and it takes the exact same uh prompt the same parameters and a different seed so it won't use the same noise again so it will start from the beginning one more time uh if you wanted to get like more diverse outputs we could use chaos which is essentially how chaotic the differences between the four images mm. that we're going for. 
So we could add uh, dash dash C and then let's say a hundred. So this value goes between zero and a hundred and it will the, the, the dictate the difference between the four different images. So we can see, yeah. Been, yeah. I noticed them um, by the way, that there's a few different kind of arguments you can add to the end of your um, mid journey prompt. And I think one that you use often is aspect ratio. Um, and then chaos is one you just mentioned hyphen hyphen C, where did you learn about these and how does someone kind of work their way around trying all these different ones? Um, I, I they have like documentation. I think people are a bit afraid of, of the documentation because they might not know what they're looking for or yeah. like, um, yeah, it, it's not that hard. Like when you're prompting in mid journey and then you go like, okay, there's like, I think, well, six, seven, eight, nine nine different arguments that you can use. So it's like aspect ratio, chaos, quality, seed, stylize, tile, which not many people know, and version and quality. So version, you don't need it if you're not like, now it comes preloaded with the latest model. So if you just add dash dash V4, it actually uses an older model. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of prompts you'll see will have dash dash V4, uh, not necessary. So Essentially now the model that's running is V4C, which is like the third iteration of V4. Uh, and quality two, you can go quality one, two, and up to five, I think. But they've done a lot of testing internally and people can't tell the difference between Q1 and Q2. Like, so it's just a waste of GPU time because essentially when you're doing quality two, you're gonna use twice as much GPU render time. And GPU render time is essentially how long, um, of, like how much of your credits get used to render an image. Um, Got it. So high quality means if you're paying for mid journey, which you yeah. need to actually to use the bot directly versus the public yes. channels, um, yeah. it's going to cost more per image, basically. One other yeah. thing I noticed as well is that you also include some details around how the shot is taken, right? The actual camera. Um, is Does that make a lot of difference kind of picking the, the camera? Because I noticed that was a pretty cool thing that I didn't, I wasn't aware of actually until I saw your your images. Yeah, I think we're, there's a bunch of people that have like, I, I saw this like in December the first time, I think like people using camera, like it's shot on a Canon or it's shot on a Hasselblad or it's shot on an icon or it's shot on this type of film, you know, emulating black and white film or emulating sepia tone film. Um, and then now I think it's, there's a lot more people that are kind of dissecting it and like really going nitty gritty on it um, and, and trying to just be like, what are the things that we can do with this? Like how, how, how much can we describe with this? And it's, as it turns out quite a lot, especially like camera angles, type of shots, like, you know, using wide, ultra wide, narrow, you can go and use like lens parameters. So like for those that are interested in photography, um, you, you could use 50 millimeters. So 50 mm, um, to, to decide kind of the, 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 the framing of your shot and kind of what the, output should look like because it has a very distinct look. You could go 80 millimeter, 120 millimeter, telelens, all these things matter. Actually, it matters quite a lot because if we go here and, and check some of the photos I did the other day about, so I did some uh, national geographic shots, right? So these are quite interesting where we have like um, shot on a telephoto lens as one of the key things here. So what it does, it really gives you this super zoomed in mm -hmm. photo with like bokeh in the background. So you have a really blurred background 
and we can see that like Midjourney is really good with hair um, and the compression might blow it, blow it down a bit, but Midjourney is fantastic with hair and feathers and fibers. I'm not sure what they've done there, but it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, and lens matters <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah. So you're, what you're doing there is really kind of imagining the camera you would take this photo with if it was a real photo and using those, um, those properties of the camera as parts of the prompt. And one of the things I also noticed with your prompts is you're not necessarily describing the scene. You often describe lots of characteristics of the scene, right? What is your approach when it comes to, you have this idea in your head, uh, you, you, you kind of have this idea in your imagination of what you want to create and then getting that down into a prompt. How do you, how do you approach that? Um, I mean, in the beginning, I, I did write a really interesting one of this threads on this as well, because I was sitting in a restaurant. You mentioned earlier that like, that, you know, you, it runs in Discord, so you can bring up your phone, you can mm -hmm. start prompting. I was, um, we're, I got two kids, right? And me and my partner, we actually had like the first weekend without kids um, since pre-pandemic. So we basically haven't been out alone. And and you, what, what I do, I sit with my phone in mid-journey, uh, that came out bad. Uh, anyhow, we were sitting there and we're actually using it together. So we were like, mm -hmm. we're talking, we're talking about like what we're building with Bedtime Story. And then we saw this like really nice geisha on the wall because we were eating at an Asian fusion restaurant. And I'm like, I wonder if I can do that mid-journey. And then we just like, you know, open up Discord on the phone and we're sitting there chatting, drinking a little bit and just like, oh, okay, we're, you know, let's try this. I think I ended up doing like 50, maybe 50 or 60 generations where like the initial prompt was a geisha, but it didn't look anything like the thing we saw on the wall, right? Because the, the geisha on the wall was like on a wooden plaque, mm -hmm. uh, just like a really nice white geisha face mask and some red, really tiny red uh, pieces mm -hmm. in it. So we basically just went like iterated, removed, you know, added, redacted. It's just like added words, removing words, try different things, went completely crazy and go, what if we just take away all of this and write something completely different? Um, so it, it, it's easy if you have an idea, right? That to just like continue to, to plow through. And then once you hit what you want, then you have that kind of like base prompt. Then you can start altering that, you know, exchange an, a subject or an object or change a pose or, but, but you have kind of your, your, your base prompt figured out. So getting to the base prompt could be tricky. Sometimes you hit gold after just a few tries. Um, it really depends uh, on what it is that you're looking to create, right? I had luck with like bonsais, for example. I just, what can I do bonsais with, with Midjourney and how does that work? You know, and I just typed like a pine tree bonsai. And I'm like, what? wait a minute, like this is fabulous, you know? I, mm -hmm. I, I think I made some bonsais again yesterday just for fun. Um, so like raspberry bonsai, that's, that's, this is the prompt. This is it. You know, this, it's not harder than that. And like, it's just raspberry bonsai. That's what you raspberry, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and you can, you can, you can, you can imagine you can do thousands of thousands of these. Right. Uh, and you can be crazy about it. You can do like, I think I did candy bonsai. Yeah, here we go. Candy bonsai. Wow. So it's not like volleyball. By the <laughs> yeah. way, that bonsai tree is something my kids would absolutely adore. So I, I had this idea, um, Linus. Um, I would love to learn kind of how to do this. Um, and I have a concept in my head. And I was wondering if we could try it out um, yeah, in let's... Discord to see if we, we can kind of bring it to life. Yeah, let's try. So the concept is I also have two kids. And they're four, and they are absolutely obsessed with Star Wars right now. Got their first two Star Wars Lego sets, and now they want like 
everything in the collection. And they went to the library recently and got a book. And the book just has all these Star Wars um, Lego ships in it. And it made me think, like, that would be a cool, fun thing to do in mid-journey is, like, create imaginary Star Wars kind of spaceships. And so I was just wondering, how would I approach that? Um, do I just type in Star Wars spaceships made out of Lego or do I need to kind of think about how it's shot? Do I need to think about kind of the features? And so that's my idea. Star Wars Lego spaceships. How do we turn that into a cool um, mid-journey image? Yeah. Okay. Let's just start straight off with with what you just said, like Lego Lego Star Wars spaceship. We're we're probably just going to get something that's very similar to what's already in um, in Star Wars, but with some kind of resemblance to Lego. Mid-journey is relatively good at like creating lego so we're gonna have to figure that one out star wars um spaceship so it's already starting to some images and and the cool thing about mid is it kind of shows you bit by bit as it's evolving right they already look pretty pretty cool from the from the outset okay so we got some star wars lego images it doesn't really does it look star wars though it it kind of looks like um yeah, it, it doesn't look like a Star Wars ship I would imagine existing in the Star Wars world, but it has some kind of Lego vibes about it. Let's try to see if we can get an Imperial, maybe an Imperial cruiser or something. That's also a known set. Maybe there's something that we could go crazy about instead. So we have a Star Wars spaceship, and we want it to be Nubian fighter. Um, maybe we want it to be like silver with um blue stripes and we want the side shots let's see if we can get something there awesome so you just typed in star wars spaceship and then nubian fighters so you're trying to be a bit more specific about it and then you also added some color hints as well right silver with with white stripes and then lego that was an important part of it yeah and i've also added side shot here to make sure that we get Got it. The, the 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 model from the side i'm not sure we will actually get it uh, the way we want here. And I'm also not sure a Nubian fighter is, well, th- this was the first one, like the Imperial, some Imperial ship here. Yeah. It's starting yeah. to look a bit more, a bit more like a Star yeah, Wars it, Lego. <laughs> it looks like Star Wars Lego, but it's still, I don't know. Midjourney is doing some weird things here with like, I think it's trying. Oh, okay. Now, now let's. These ones, when you describe a specific type of um, ship, it looks a bit closer. So, I mean, another one we could try is like, you know, a TIE fighter or an, or an X-Wing. Oh, this looks, yeah. this looks a lot more like Lego, right? now. So now we're yeah. starting to see something come to shape. It looks a lot more like a Lego we might have. So maybe we could try like X, X-Wing fighter or TIE fighter. Let's try with X-Wing. X-Wing. And we want it silver with orange stripes. Maybe we want it like in space. Let's see. I think the, the thing, thing that I... The, the, what I'm kind of doing when I'm prompting is like I'm really kind of playful with it. I don't really mind yeah. if it takes me a hundred shots to get something. Uh, sometimes it's a bit frustrating because like you think you, you kind of get down into this rabbit hole and you go like, I'm, I'm doing the right thing. You know, I'm writing these things. Why is it not giving me what I want? Um, but then either you just like remove completely and you start over and you do something different or you just like try a different image and then come back to it. Cause like maybe you have some other things that you want to try out. Um, but I think this, this might turn out great actually. Then, yeah. This is then again, the, the, X, the X wing is a known object, right? So right. I would be surprised if, if we wouldn't get anything here. I think where mid journey might shine is like what trying to combine um, things. But if we want something that looks out of star Wars, 
um, especially in Lego. There we go. This doesn't look bad. Right. This looks like it could be a real Lego set now. So we've got like a couple of different riffs on X-Wings. They have like really big engines, which is, which is really cool. And lots of lasers, which the kids <laughs> absolutely love. Yeah. And you just click U2 there. Now, what that does is that upscales the second image, right? When you hit U. And it's yeah. Green. So I, I just wanted to see kind of like what we would get if we, if we kind of like try to get this in a slightly larger uh, resolution. So these images are relatively ro low res. I think when mm -hmm. you're doing 69, let them do now aspect ratio 69, we're going to see like the image is 600. Um, 640 pixels wide. So, and what I did here now is like when, when you have a shot, uh, a, co a collection of images that you get back, if you react with the envelope emoji, you get back the, the job ID, um, the seed number and the four individual images. So singular images, oh. if you wanted to, if you want to save them lower res. And if Very you're cool. doing like image prompting where, where you kind of put images into the prompt as well to give some like to give the prompt some inspiration. This is a, a neat way to like make sure you're using low res images instead of like pushing the highest definition images into into the image prompt because that could slow down mid journey quite a lot. Um, and, and that gave you four individual images instead of showing yeah. all as one image, which is the default. Yeah. It's kind of four. The default is one image of four things in a grid, right? And instead, it generated four different images. And to do that, you clicked on the envelope emoji. So that yeah. is like a super. Um, <laughs> That's like a really great Easter egg for people to know because I would not have known that if, if you hadn't told me. So envelope emoji gives you the original images um, in low res, which you can then use to feed back into mid-journey. And, and again, this, yeah, this is impressive because if we consider what's happening here, it's like the, the model is interpreting our Lego as like actually building something in Lego. It, it kind of tries to do that and emulate that. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the lighting here, the reflection in the cockpit, we can see that it's like shot with some kind of studio lighting, mm -hmm. over overhead lighting. Um, ah, look at this! This turned out great. Wow, I'm I'm surprised myself. So that is so cool. And um, I have one more challenge for you. This one's a little bit harder. We'll see if we can make it happen. So I was I was thinking about this Lego thing, and I was like, okay, this is cool, but it's even more fun if you can create a scene, right, with a mm. few different characters in it, and the Lego, uh, the and the Lego um, figurines too. So I was wondering if we could give that a try. I have this um, I have this fun idea for a Twitter thread where you recreate scenes from famous TV shows and movies in Lego in mid journey. So maybe we could start with like a Star Wars one, or we can we can do a different one. Um, but I think that could be an interesting one to try too, because one of the things that I think is a little bit harder is when you have characters or multiple characters and you're trying to get 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 a scene going. So how would you approach that? Actually, I think this is an interesting one because, like, okay, let's do we have a scene in mind from Star Wars that we would like to try to reenact? Um, so what I would, I would, what I would then do is like I would pro I'd probably do something like this where I would go and look for for source material, like what is it that I'm trying Got to it. create, like to get an idea for how it looks, right? So uh, I think this one is relatively cool. Um, I'm not sure we could actually do this, but this could be an interesting experiment. So let's copy this image address and let's try to use this as an image prompt. So we go imagine, and then we paste the image URL. And then- and So you're say, pasting in a URL of a Star Wars scene that you found on Google image search, right? Yeah, so I don't know her name here, but this is Finn, right? And what's her name? This is from the later Star Wars. So we go Finn- I should know this because we talk about Star Wars characters all the time. <laughs> Star Wars. Finn running and then is BB-8 rolling 
uh, sand dunes, and uh, Lego. We want to do aspect ratio 69. So we have the image. And what I'm doing now, I'm basically just describing the image that we're looking at. Um, and I'm adding that as the prompt and adding Lego. We could actually just make sure we wait this. So we go Lego, important. Uh, and let's see. So here is a bit of a, like, if you listen in on the mid journey, um, all hands or the way they call them community chats or, or town halls, um, you will hear uh, the founder speaking a lot and the team speaking a lot about how the next evolution of, of prompting probably going to be image to image or like people will mm -hmm. do a lot of stuff using an image um, or images, multiple images. And I kind of agree because like, um, if I have a, if I have the ability to kind of either just take a, a snapshot of something or I grab something on the internet and I can like take that and mesh it with something else and then put my prompt on it, the, the likelihood of me getting what I want is like 10 times higher than if I'm just like, uh, writing mm -hmm. in prompt. So this did not turn into Lego at all. So let's skip the idea of using the image prompt and let's try something else. So Lego star Wars is known, right? There is. Mm -hmm. uh, Lego Star Wars. So what are we trying to do? We're trying to do a cinematic shot, maybe. Um, mm, 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 what's going to happen in there? Who are we going to have? We're going to have some storm stormtroopers. <laughs> maybe Darth. Sorry, I'm going a bit slow here. I'm just thinking. Um, we want to... One would want to talk about lighting, perhaps. If we try, try this, sorry, cinematic, Darth Vader Inders, dash dash AR69. I noticed, by the way, that you put Lego Star Wars colon at the beginning. Is that something you can do to kind of set the, the scene of the... Yeah, I, actually, actually, I should have done this. Select so like do a multi-prompt. So we're deciding that, like, the first part of the prompt is Lego Star Wars. Like, that's, like, just pure definition. And okay. then we want a cinematic shot with stormtroopers, Darth Vader indoors. Got it. Actually, this is probably going to give us something that's relatively good. So it interpreted this well. I don't, I don't think it turned it into a multi-prompt, but it worked anyway. So yeah, here we go. Yeah. So Lego. now we can start to see an actual cinematic scene. Okay. So now we, you know, did a few different iterations and by adding Lego Star Wars at the beginning of the prompt, we actually got to a scene or a few different scenes where we have stormtroopers, we have Darth Vader, we even have a lightsaber and the background actually looks like it's Lego too. So this is really, really cool. I feel like, um, we made a lot of progress on here and this is giving me a ton of inspiration. I'm going to go off and make my own Lego scenes after I, after I saw this now. And I feel like I've learned a few tips and tricks from it too. Thanks Linus. This is really, really cool. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited too. I'm a big Lego fan, actually. So uh, yeah, I should I should I should actually get I should actually do some things with this and post to some of the Lego community. Yeah, we have to do it. All right. Well, I feel like this is setting me off on a really awesome path, and I'm really <laughs> excited to explore this further. Um, I've learned a ton from just going through this with you. So thank you so much, Linus. Um, before we wrap up, I'm curious. Like, what are some of the things you're most excited about um, in AI and especially in generative AI right now? I think in general, I'm just like really excited about the possibilities of all these tools, to be honest. These tools are are accessible to pretty much anyone. Anyone that has mm -hmm. a smartphone or anyone that has like a, a, a computer with a web browser doesn't really have to be a good computer because all these tools are running in the browser, right? Like the GPUs are in the cloud. 
uh, it doesn't matter if it's chat GPT or if it's Midjourney or something else, like it's enabling anyone uh, to, to be creative. Like I don't really, I don't need to know anything about like drawing or, or, or being an artist, right? I can just, if I have a good enough imagination or if I, and everyone is imaginative, so mm -hmm. pretty much everyone fits that. Um, so I think I'm, I'm most excited about that, that like there is no real barrier here. Like we, we could like go out and just tell anyone to go try this and, and anyone could, right? I think the biggest boundary or the biggest barrier has been uh, actually the interface. So the fact that Midjourney decided to be like, we're going to do this in Discord. A um, few months back on, on you know, the, the all hands, like there was a lot of people complaining like, oh, you know, I love Midjourney, but it was so difficult to learn Discord. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute, why don't you just have a wonderful website? Why don't you just put the UI there? Like yeah. the generative part there could, could be easily done. Like look at lexica.art, yeah. amazing platform, super simple, prompt box on the website. Um, yeah, so I mean, there are, there are a few things that we could that need solving, but like the fact that this is available for everyone, I think I'm most excited about. And then when it comes to new tools, like it's really hard to keep up. Um, there's basically like a ton of new tools every day getting released. It feels like, you know, we're kind of in a... a a hype cycle, a lot of people are getting their hands dirty. There's a lot of really good ideas and a lot of people are executing really fast. I think 11 Labs is sitting on some gold where they kind of like made it super simple to clone a voice and then use that voice by just inputting text. So for example, if you know me, I'm building a, a storybook um, generator for, for kids stories and, and we want to be able to clone, clone parents' voices. So it's super easy for us to just like, hey, record 60 seconds of your voice. And then you can have any of the stories that you created written, like read back by you to your kids. So I think that's, I'm really excited about that. And then I'm really excited about like a lot of these platforms opening up their APIs to developers. So uh, we saw yesterday or the day before yesterday, like, you know, OpenAI released ChatGPT API and Whisper API um, to the world for everyone to use. And I think super excited about that as well. So yeah. Um, there's not much underground stuff. Well, there is a few, you know, things that are popping up on the radar, but I don't think any, anything that's like as exciting as the big things, the macro. There is really so much happening in the space and folks can actually follow your um, newsletter to, to get updates on, on kind of your, your take on yeah. the space as well. What was yeah. the, what's the name of the newsletter? So the name is my name. So it's Linus Ekenstam .substack .com. Uh And actually the name of the name of the newsletter is inside my head. Um, so yeah, maybe I should, change the URL to be inside my head. Uh, but yeah, it's Linus Eckenstam.substack.com. Uh, awesome, everyone. So check that out, yeah. Linus Eckenstam.substack.com. Thank you so much, Linus, for joining me um, and helping me become a pro at MidJourney. And also, I feel like I learned a lot about kind of your, your perspectives on AI and generative AI and how it's going to impact the design um, industry too. So I um, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And until the next episode of Hitchhiker's Guide to AI, thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me.